there's a brief lull. The clouds have given way, and a calm is upon us. Now is the time to rest and learn. This is the Eye of the Storm. Welcome, players and Dungeon Masters, to another exciting episode of Eye of the Storm. I'm DM Drew, and today we're going on a spooktacular adventure into the world of ghosts. So let's talk about ghosts. All right, what do we know about ghosts? I mean, first of all, who are you going to call? Ghosts are a medium undead creature. They can be of any alignment that they possibly were in life, or maybe even having that alignment slightly be changed. You know, when they become undead, when they became a ghost, maybe they became a little more hateful, a little more vengeful for life, for something that possibly happened to them. Maybe they became nicer. Maybe they just have a neutral alignment and they are just there. So a ghost is a spirit of a person who has died either recently or maybe even long ago. This is something where they cannot move on. They have some unfinished business to attend to on the material plane. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about ghosts in 5th edition Dungeons and Dragons. We'll be talking about their statistics, what to use the ghosts for, how to implement them into your game, and more importantly, how to use them properly. We'll talk about the different types of ghosts and maybe even various aspects of where to draw from them in popular culture. Let's get right down to it. In your monster manual for 5th edition's Dungeons and Dragons, if you go to page 147, you're going to find the statistics for the ghost. Like I said, it is a medium undead creature, and it is of any alignment. Ghosts have a armor class of 11. They're also going to have hit points, despite the fact being dead. They're going to have 45 hit points, or if you want to roll your own, 10d8. Ghosts themselves do not actually have a speed for movement. They can't, you know, necessarily walk around. They can appear as if they're walking around. However, if you're going rules by written, ghosts have a fly speed of 40 feet, okay? This is because they're hovering. They're just that, you know, they're moving down the hallway. All right, ghosts have a, uh, a standard array of stats. Almost anything that you could possibly be seen for a first level character. However, ghosts have a very high charisma score. Standard array of stats going respectively from strength down to charisma, 7, 13, 10, 10, 12, and a 17 for that charisma. If your players decide to take on a ghost, they better be prepared for a fight, honestly, because being undead, being incorporeal, and frankly not having an anatomy that a rogue can backstab, it's gonna be tough. Ghosts have a lot of damage resistance. They are resistant to acid, fire, lightning, thunder, bludgeoning, piercing, slashing, anything almost that is not coming from a magically imbued weapon. Magic can take down a ghost, you know, as Uncle from the Jackie Chan Adventure says, magic must defeat magic. They have a damage immunity to cold and necrotic, and it's it's almost laughable to actually read from the monster manual, but ghosts have uh, immunity, wait for it folks, to poison. 
I know it's hard to believe, but poison. They can't be poisoned. They have conditioned immunities for charmed, exhausted, frightened, grappled, paralyzed, petrified, poisoned again, prone, and restrained. However, I really, really want to see the Goliath Barbarian attempt to tackle and grapple a ghost because, I don't know, to me, that just sounds like pure comedy gold. Trying to comprehend that he can't, you know, get his arms around it, they keep passing through, and the ghost is just probably gonna stare at him going like, bro, what are you doing? What are you doing? In addition to all the damage immunities and the resistance, ghosts get a dark vision of 60 feet and have a passive perception of 11. They only know the languages that they knew in life, which, I mean, makes sense. That's all the memories that they personally have to draw upon. DMs, listen up. This is a challenge rating four. This is not kid stuff. This isn't throwing a small pack of kobolds at them or having them, you know, retrieve the landlady's cat from the tree. This is gonna be some serious stuff for low-level parties, especially parties that don't have have that much experience when it comes out to playing out in the world. They don't have these, you know, adventures that they've gone on. They haven't tackled a great evil. They haven't had this worldly venture. So I don't care what their backstory says. I don't care how much they've thought of how their character has this noble profession or anything like that. They're an acolyte of the church. No. If they are first level, they're a first level character. I'm gonna get, I mean, I'm not gonna get into the rant now, but I'll get into it later in another episode. Long story short, if you have first level characters, they should not know what a ghost is. They may have heard stories, literally, they may have heard ghost stories. However, they should not have the knowledge, and again, this is separating player knowledge from ca uh, character knowledge, they should not know how to tackle a ghost. They should not know that if they're gonna be trying to hit it with their mace or their stab it with their sword that it's going to do absolutely nothing. If they try to charm the ghost itself, they should understand that it's not going to be within the confines of their experience to know that it's not going to work. Slight rant over, but long story short, it's a challenge rating for, it's not going to be an easy experience for your low-level players. However, it can be a fantastic chance for role-playing, for storytelling, for them to barely escape with their lives and maybe come back at like two, three levels later. Odds are the ghost is still going to be there. The challenge will still be there and they can come back and maybe even the ghost can remember. I've seen you before in a distant life. Getting on to the actions that a ghost has, especially when it gets into combat. If a ghost is going to touch you, all right, they have an attack called Withering Touch. If you've been listening to our episodes on Crit Stormcast, you know what Withering Touch can do. We have had two players already experience this literally hands first, and it has not been pretty. If you do not know what I'm talking about, people, get back to Crit Stormcast, download them episodes, and catch up. See where our adventurers are. It's been a lot of fun. Back to Withering Touch. It is a melee touch attack. It has a plus five to hit, a reach of five feet, and then, of course, it's only going to target one person. However, it's going to do 4d6 plus three of necrotic damage. Now, again, if you have low-level characters, uh, this could outright kill them, quite literally. Just one touch and they're gone. And this is the idea that you can't deal necrotic damage to something that's already undead. It's going to imbue them with undead energy. Or you could even add a little more flavor, like if the ghost 
runs its hand across their cheek. It could almost be like it is sucking the life force out of them. However you want to play it, it's your ghost. Now, ghosts are ethereal. They can see into the ethereal plane as well as the material plane, depending where they are. If a ghost is on the material plane, they can see 60 feet into the ethereal plane and vice versa. The material plane is almost like a spectral realm that is simultaneously in sync with our own. However, we're alive, so we can't see it. Now that a ghost is incorporeal, it can move in between these places. It can pop between the material plane and the ethereal plane. This is the whole idea of when a ghost is suddenly in front of you and you look back and you look away and you look back to the ghost and suddenly it's just gone. This is also why ghosts can pop in and out of places, just that delightful fright and scare tactic. It is one of the things that we love most in horror movies, just those just perpetual jump scares. It makes things better. It makes things exciting. It All right, it makes things scary. And I think that's kind of what we're going to be going for with ghosts. Now, ghosts can move through objects, all right? This is this incorporeal movement because they are ethereal. However, rules as written say that if they move through anything and stop their movement while still inside a solid object, they're going to take 5 force damage or 1d10. This is something myself as a DM, I kind of tweak because I don't necessarily agree with the rules as, as written. If you are a raw kind of DM, cool. Go for it. I have no quarrel with you. Rule your games how you want to see it. However, this is my insight. A ghost popping its head out of like a kitchen cabinet, or maybe it's floating through a door, or maybe it just pokes one arm through and that's all you can see, and it stops its movement there. My ghosts are not going to take the force damage. I'm sorry. Popping half a body out of a wall or through a painting or maybe it's inside and it like only pops its legs through a trunk and the trunk runs away. No, sorry, that's being a ghost. That's simply being a ghost. However, if the ghost ends its movement inside of a body, human flesh, a person, this this is where I agree that it would take the force damage. A living body is going to try and resist a ghost being there. It's going to try and expel the ghost from the confines of its person. It doesn't belong there. I completely understand and agree with it taking force damage. You don't belong there. You died. You had your chance. Get out of my body. Whenever we watch a horror movie, or even if you look back at, like, Scooby-Doo, the first time that they see a ghost, almost everybody, like, freaks out. Okay, Shaggy and Scooby freak out. But this is also the idea that in this cliche and tropes where if somebody gets so scared, their hair turns white or they suddenly faint and they, you know, they could even die from seeing a ghost. This is a ghost's ability to use horrifying visage. Horrifying visage is where any creature that is non-dead and within 60 feet of the ghost, if the ghost decides to use its horrifying visage, all right, and you as a DM, if you decide to have this happen, anybody that is within 60 feet that sees the ghost for the first time must succeed on a DC 13 wisdom saving throw, or they are frightened for one minute. That's, that's not bad. Run away. They're scared. It, it's understandable. Now, if they fail to save by five or more, here's where it gets tricky. They will 
age. 1d4 times 10 years. Let's let that sink in, people. On a max roll, someone is going to age 40 years. Depending on the race that they are honestly playing, they could die. If they're a half-orc, they could die. If they're a goblin, they could die. Depending on the age of their human character, they could die. This... I mean, dying right on the spot, seeing the ghost clutching their chest, the heart attack ensues, and they're gone. This is something that is, again, horrific. It's kind of fun in the same sense. And if they survive it, maybe that's where they get that streak of white hair. Maybe they are now having PTSD for anything that is haunt-related for the rest of their characters' lives. Now, a frightened character can repeat the saving throw at the end of each of its turn, ending the frightening condition on a, uh, a successful save. If the character successful on the saving throw or the effect ends, the target is immune to the horrifying visage for the next 24 hours. Okay, that's, that's fair. They've seen it, they're like, eh, you're not scary anymore. But if they come back the next day, they're like, oh crap, that's right, there's a ghost. The aging effect, however, it will be permanent. Unless you go to a cleric, to a church, someone who can cast greater restoration in the next 24 hours. If you don't get that, folks, you're hitting that early bird special and getting senior citizen coffees for the rest of your life probably the best aspects of a ghost in your game and something that is the most tropish that you can add to it using a ghost is possession. On a possession, a humanoid that the ghost can see within five feet, not even having to touch him, within five feet. If the ghost decides to possess them, they must succeed a DC charisma saving throw or the ghost takes them. On a fail, the ghost disappears and the target is incapacitated and loses control of their body. It doesn't mean they're gone. It doesn't even mean they're unconscious. The person is almost stuck inside their body. They can see everything that's happening, but they are incapable of responding to it, calling out for help. They are simply trapped as their body goes on autopilot. Think of it almost as if in the movie Get Out, when the mo the girlfriend's mother stirs the teacup and then clinks it and the man just falls into himself and all he can see is that small little window of light where the woman was. This is probably the sense that a person has being trapped inside of their own body and simply having to watch. Now the ghost controls the body, however, they can't they can't use the abilities, spells, anything that uh, really has a class feature or proficiencies that the character had before. They don't even gain knowledge to the character's knowledge, honestly. They don't get access to their memories because it's the ghost who is inhabiting the body. The ghost can't be the target of attacks, spells, or other effects except for ones that turn undead. And it retains its alignment, intelligence, and wisdom scores, and it, again, is still immune to being charmed or frightened. However, other than that, it uses the target's normal statistics because, let's face it, it's the body that it is using. Nothing else is going to be a, uh, available for it 
when possessing the body. I would even rule that if a cleric tried to turn undead on a possessed form, okay, much like turn undead, it doesn't really like destroy the undead. It mainly makes them go away. This, in a sense, is only going to make the possessed body run away. Unless you are actually taking down the ghost in its normal form through magic, mind you, or possibly even silvered weapons, the ghost will always remain. Unless you completely destroy it, or maybe make the ghost uh, have a natural ending, remove the bones, give it a proper burial, cast, you know, hollow on the ground, make it so, uh, make it sacred once more. Something that could possibly remove the ghost. This is something we'll get into later on when we actually talk about different types of ghosts and what it can do, what it can add to the story, but we're missing the fact that somebody's possessed. The ghost will remain in the body until it actually decides to leave, which it can do on a free action, a bonus action, okay? And then at that point, it can actually run away. Otherwise, it'll stay in the body until the uh, hit points are reduced to zero, because then at that point, the vessel is already dead. It will stay in the body as long as it wants until the hit points are reduced to zero. This means that people could be possessed for years. Years, people. You could have a party member possessed, and the rest of the party may not ever even know until it's maybe too late. This is just some of the stuff that you can add into your game, GMs. This is the fun aspect that you can make for your game. It can be simply a hoot. Let's talk a little bit about how to use them in your game. Ghosts are going to be a bit more scary and especially for the case that it's really how you're going to use them. It's your story. You're adding your flavor. How do you want them to be? Ghosts could take many, many forms. You can have them be completely ethereal, that wispy cloud of white and blue streaks in the air, possibly taking the form of a young girl, a strong man who died in battle. Or the ghost could even be looking normal, completely normal, until maybe it's that one second too late that someone turns around and says, oh yeah, no, 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 it's okay, I'll catch up with you guys later, and they turn around, so where are we gonna go? Maybe then they see what they really are. This is how you can use your ghosts in your game. A slight plug, if you head over to DM's Guild on the internet, you can find a fantastic PDF called Haunts. It costs you no more than 50 cents. It's a great little resource that I've used for quite a while now, and it actually gives you different ways to use ghosts and spirits inside of your game. I mean, you can have the cliche ghost, the the one that tells you a story, and you gotta listen to the tale and the woes, and finally when it's over, you know what you're gonna do. You have a new mission. You have the details of, or at least enough details, of what it wants you to do. Uh, possibly you have ghosts that are so confused or so dead set on keeping things as normal for themselves as possible, that they go about their daily lives. They don't really know or care that they're dead. They carry on their business. Perhaps you have a butler who's still wandering around the house and, you know, cleaning things up. Think of the ghost in Harry Potter. They don't necessarily show him in the movies, but they do refer to him in the books, and I forget his name 
off the top of my head, but it's the history teacher. It's the one that teaches history at Hogwarts, and what a perfect person to actually teach history, because Hogwarts ain't getting any older, and he's already dead. Let him teach the class. <laughs> He died, woke up, and went back to teaching. So this is another form of a ghost that you can use. You can also have uh, the entertainer, the ghost who loved the stage so long ago, the roar of an audience. This is what gave him life, and this could be something that he's possibly trying to get back. However, with each one, you could tweak things a little. Like if you interrupt the butler in what they're doing, maybe they'll get angry and you can, you know, have them do an attack or maybe cause a spell effect. Again, it's your ghosts. You guys can tweak them. Add another ability if they need be. The entertainer, if you walk into the, the audience and you're heading towards the stage, an apparition appears a fiddle in hand, and he starts playing a tune. You feel a twinge in your in your leg, and you suddenly start to dance. You have no control over it, but you start to dance. These are fantastic little storytelling effects that you can add and make them your own. You can make them just fun, goofy. It doesn't always have to be scary. Think Casper. He's a friendly ghost. He wants to be your friend. You can also have the ghost that stands guard, that stands watch, he is a protector. Maybe he's watching over a crypt, or again, you could have like a soldier who died taking his watch, but he still stands firm, even though his life is gone. Someone who is put to protect an item, sunken away in a tomb. But this is their last vestige. This is what they vowed to do for their lord until their dying breath and beyond. Possibly, you could even have the ghost that works in a library or works somewhere where they have to go and find information. And who better than, you know, the old scholar flipping through pages as he once did. And uh, DMs can add the idea of, you know, find lore or legend lore, casting the spell. If they ask the ghost a question, he'll answer the question for them and give them a little bit of insight, possibly to something they don't understand. You can have your ghost be anyone or even anything that you want to. Take this. A ghost can be a creature. It can be a humanoid. But let's Let's have a little fun with this. If your people are, you know, exploring, say, an old hunting lodge, one member ventures off on their own and they suddenly enter into the trophy room. Well, around him is nothing but death. Stuffed animals on the walls, taxidermied ones standing in the corner. As he walks inside, he sees a shimmering light right over the fireplace. It draws his attention. As he steps further, the light coming from the doorway grows dim as it slams shut, and suddenly he's left in darkness. But then he can see the flicker of light coming from the eyes around him. Something scuttles along the floor. The ghosts of the dead creatures are coming to life. I think that would be absolutely terrifying and fantastic. However, also my mind now immediately comes to be Jim Carrey in Ace Ventura when nature calls as he screams at the giant room of stuffed animals. And he's like, this is a lovely room of death. You can't see me. I was shaking my head like Jim Carrey. He's funny. However you want to use the ghosts, it's it's totally up to you. It's fantastic to add a bit of flair and scare. And, you know, a little bit of laughs don't hurt either. So, Think of like poltergeists, 
Think of ghosts knocking something over, appearing somewhere, and then disappearing. Or maybe, again, that cliche, don't run after something where you don't see where it's going. A little child is peeking around the corner. Their torchlight extends down the hall. They can see it. It pulls away. And this chuckling bit of laughter echoes around the corner. Of course they run after it, because they all apparently want to die. This is what could be in your games. As they round the corner, they see the child shut a door, and then that's all that stands between them. A door and the unknown. However, opening that door, it only leads to darkness. And that little bit of laughter. Adding a spooky atmosphere to your games while using ghosts can be fantastic. It can also be something that is really fun, especially for a character, especially for a player. If you have a player that actually dies, you could bring them back as a ghost. You could bring them as a ghost and they could stay as part of the party because maybe that's their unfinished business. Maybe they vowed a life debt to, you know, take on this quest and make it their own. This could be something that is super fun and intriguing, especially if the player does not know that they are dead. Maybe they try to sleep, but they're never tired, they're never hungry. Maybe they are flabbergasted at the fact that they never took an arrow in battle, yet everyone else got hit with a crossbow bolt or something else. I mean, <laughs> they could finally realize, like, holy crap, I'm dead. I am Bruce Willis, and I never knew. I never knew. He needs a small child to tell him that he sees dead people. Using ghosts however you want to have them for your adventures can be a fantastic thing. It's really how you want to incorporate them into the story. Is it a bride who died on her wedding night, who the players meet in a long abandoned home upstairs in the master bedroom? They walk up the stairs. It creaks loud only to overpower the thumping of their own hearts as anxiety fills them. They cross the threshold into the bedroom to see a young, vision-esque beauty stroking her hair with a brush as she looks at them and says, I'm so glad you're here. The wedding will be beautiful as the players suddenly see a long gash across her neck, proving that she is not real. I love the idea also that you can grab inspiration from anywhere in popular culture for your games. Books, movies, television shows, these are things that would make fantastic little homages in your game. And do not fear that someone's going to call you out on grabbing something from pop culture. I will challenge anyone to try and make an original story and not have something remind them of something or, you know, kind of have a callback to another thing. You don't need to reinvent the wheel. Honestly, there's enough horror movies out there. There's enough books out there that are fantastic. Uh, chances to incorporate different elements, your favorite characters, storylines, plot, what have you. Television is also fantastic. We have had a recent bout of, I mean, if you go on Netflix, you can find The Haunting of Hill House. This is a great way to look at things for ghosts. Different horror movies have fantastic stories of revenge. Maybe the ghost is not necessarily trying to cause damage, but really going for the plea to try and help someone to not have the same untimely end as them. If you watch What Lies Beneath with Michelle Pfeiffer and Harrison Ford, that's something that's there. And if any of my friends out there who are 90s kids like myself 
Are you afraid of the dark? Come on, people. This is what it was meant for. Kooky, kooky plot lines and campiness that all you need to do is just sprinkle a little DM magic on and you have some fantastic ways to incorporate great, fun little stories into your game. Me, personally, I have used quite a few of the Are You Afraid of the Dark kind of like plot lines and twists in my own games, as well as our current one for Crit Stormcast. I'm not going to tell you which one, because that's going to be our little secret. I'm pretty sure my players listen to this, but we're not going to tell them. So guys, go out there and make the games your own. Make these ghosts your own. Incorporate them how you want. Make them look how you want, sound how you want. Maybe they change from a cute little girl to a dead, sunken body on the floor in a second. Who cares? Who knows? It's your story. It's your ghost story to tell. And I can't wait. In fact, I'm dying to hear it. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Eye of the Storm. Catch us in two weeks' time where we will have another insightful episode for you on various aspects of role-playing games, Dungeons & Dragons, and player intrigue. We'll catch you later, guys. Keep those dice hot.